What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today. Today's a Monday. I don't know what day you're listening to, but today's a Monday. And you know, it's my favorite day of the week because I get an advantage over most people that think Monday's a bad day. And I love looking for opportunities to excel. You know, just any opportunity I can to get out in front of the competition, I want to encourage you to do the same. Today, I have a friend of mine, Sharon Lecter. She's internationally recognized as a financial literacy expert, keynote speaker, and business mentor. She's a New York Times bestselling author, successful entrepreneur, philanthropist, and has enjoyed a 35-year career as a licensed CPA. She's also advised two US presidents, co-authored Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and 14 other books in the Rich Dad series, and many other things we're going to get into today. Sharon, welcome to the show. It's my honor and privilege to be able to interview you today. Well, thank you, C-Rock. I'm so thrilled to be with you. I appreciate you very much. So I'm going to tell a quick story before I ask you this starting question. I was on a clubhouse room one day and I was on a stage and it was the first time I think I had interacted with you. You were sharing and I commented and then I happened to be in Arizona. I was in an, Air- <laughs> an Arizona hotel, the Scott, I think it's called. And you know, I show up at this mastermind, Steve Sims mastermind, lunchtime, go to eat a slice of pizza. I look up and I said, holy cow, Sharon Lecter. I just talked to her today. Had no idea I was going to run into you. You were a total surprise at the mastermind event. And that's how we met. <laughs> and then since then, we've run into each other several times. So it's, it, was, it was kismet. We're supposed to get to know each other. Absolutely. And you know, I knew about you before because uh, of some other friends of ours and always heard about you. I just never had that opportunity. And like you said, it just it connected. So I want to start off the show today, as we do by tradition, asking you the question, Sharon, what are you made of? Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And I think I'm made of um, grit, dedication, passion. And really a commitment to add value to people's lives every day. I grew up with a dad who would ask me that each night, if you added value to someone's life. So that's really, you know, everything I do is to how can I make someone else have a better day or a better result? And so that's, you know, I'm also made up of a little anger um, because we're not teaching our kids about money in school. So it's kind of a balance between adding contribution and letting my anger force change so that we can bring financial literacy and financial education to kids. Yeah, that's one of my concepts that I use, turn all that anger, any of that negative stuff into rocket fuel, right? <laughs> so that's what you're doing. So do you think that's intentional that we're not teaching our kids that financial literacy? Well, I'll give, try and give you my short answer because you can get me on a real soapbox. The traditional public education system was created to make employees. And so during the industrial age, you get them to understand how to follow rules and read instructions. And it hasn't really evolved much from there. And so we're still basically the original root of education is educati, which is to draw out. But our educational system has been developed to drill in. In essence, we actually cripple children's ideas and ability to think for themselves. 
And so I think it's really important for, you know, the intentional, I think right now it's a lack of willing to change the status quo. That's the problem. It's, um, you know, I have a lot of teachers who believe what I'm doing and want to support financial education. And then we get into the administrators and the school wards and they don't want to make any changes. And so I think it's a resistance to change more than intentional disregard. And where do you see progress being made? Do you see progress being made at all since you've been working on this? Yes. Yes. I mean, certainly I dedicated myself to financial literacy in 1992. So I've been around a long time and I had the absolute honor to work with President Bush and President Obama on their Presidential Advisory Council. And during that time, the Credit Card Act of 2009 was passed that prohibits credit card companies from soliciting college students on campus or within a thousand feet of college activity. So that was a huge win. I can't take credit for it. I can certainly say I was a squeaky wheel. And here in Arizona, I was instrumental in passing a law back in 2012 that now requires personal finance for high school graduation. But nationwide, we still only have seven states that require personal finance classes before graduation. And that's a tragedy. And it's something that as concerned adults, we're the ones that have to stand up and demand. The problem is you don't, you can't change education overnight. It takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're committed to it and then you pass it on to other people to share into that mission, we can do some amazing things. And, and that's what one thing I liked about Grant when you were, you, we saw you at the 10X Growth Conference as well. Grant is committed to that as well, that financial literacy task. And it, it is a mountain. It's a large mountain, but we have some big people behind it. So uh, I want to continue that. Now, where did you get, you said your dad was asking you about that. Tell us about your dad and, and what impact he had on you in life. Well, my dad was career Navy, retired Navy, and worked very hard all his life, but he believed in assets. You know, we, I grew up after retired, I lived in a little house between my mom's beauty shop, my dad's used car lot. We had rental properties. So I was raised in an environment of understanding entrepreneurship and the importance of buying, building, creating income producing assets. It was just in my blood. I didn't realize that was a unique situation that most people don't understand that, that most people chase time for money. We spend exchange time for money. And I wanted people to invest their time in buying, building, creating assets. But my dad was very humble. In fact, he passed away 16 years ago. And it was only after he passed that we realized what kinds of recognition he had when he was in the Navy. Just, you know, and so he taught me the, the, the concept of just being of contribution and not expecting things in return. And for that, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. Yeah. And how many children were in your family? I was the youngest of two sisters. We were the first generation to go to college. My dad only had a third grade education, but he went wow. on to teach engineering in the Navy. He ran the engineering school. So it tells you a little bit about how self-taught he was. Yeah, no, that's uh, third grade. Oh my God. Well, let me ask you about your book because I know you have a book that either just launched or is getting ready to launch, Exit Rich. You know, and I know that book is about helping entrepreneurs really understand that they need to scale and grow and stay in basically, you know, building an asset, right? Your business is an asset. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what, you know, the thought about first of all, why you wrote the book in the first place? Sure. Uh, and Far then- too many people own a job, not a business. You know, they, get, they fall in love with what their product or service is, and they find a way to take money for it, and they don't realize how important it is to build the structure around the business. And so it's not, you, I want to help people take their successful businesses, make them sustainable, scalable, and saleable. Whether you choose to sell it or not is up to you. But what we've, I co-authored with Michelle Seller-Tucker, who's a top female business broker in the country, 
And what we do, we wanted to bring the information to people that one idea you get out of this can 10x your, your results, can give you the ability to identify intellectual property. Because we talk about the six Ps, and the first P is, of course, you know, the people. Who do you have on your team? Who's your mentor? Who are, who, do you have people on your team who are strong where you are weak? Such an important thing. Most of us try to do everything on our own. And then, of course, your product or service. And then your processes, your business systems. That's what allows you to scale. When you rely on a system instead of people, you have the ability to duplicate. And then proprietary, what is your intellectual property? What is your unique competitive advantage? Let's identify it, let's protect it, and then leverage it, which means multiple streams of income. And then your patrons, your customer, your database, one of your greatest assets is your database. There's a lot of people out there that have tons of following on social media, but they need to invite them home because you don't own them on social media. If they're in your database, you own them and you have the ability to communicate with them when you choose to. And then, of course, there's the profit of your business. Too many people just focus on their product and their profit. They don't understand they're missing out on building this economic engine called a business that can continue to grow and scale. And all of a sudden, when you truly have a business, you start getting your time back. And time is the most precious currency we have. And so, yes, I'm very excited. Inc. Magazine is, has partnered with us. So it's under the Inc. Magazine imprint. Steve Forbes has a quote on here saying it's, you know, this book is a gold mine for entrepreneurs. And it really is, it takes you through the status of everything you can do to strengthen the core of your business, to be able to strengthen the ability to find that intellectual property and leverage it and make more money because of it. It's such an important concept. And while the book is going to be released officially in June, if you order it today, I'm going to give you the electronic copy because I, want to, I don't want to withhold the information from anybody. So if you go to exitrichbook.com forward slash buy, exitrichbook.com forward slash buy, you can pre-order it. And it's only the price in June will be 27. I'm giving you a discount. I think it's 24.97. And you'll get the electronic copy as well as some other, other bonuses because I want to make sure this information gets in the hands of every single business owner out there. Yeah, it's so important, man. And one thing I had a question on when you're selling a business or preparing for an exit, how do you prepare your employees so that they still want to stay there under new have, ownership or ma like management? Yeah, we have an entire chapter on that C-Rock within <laughs> the book because obviously when you sell your business, you want to preserve the opportunity for your employees to maintain their income or you want to make sure they're being taken care of if their jobs are disappearing. And so we talk about different ways that you can do that to involve and secure. It's also very important that there's an air of confidentiality. You don't want to get your employees all nervous if you haven't made the decision to sell. And so all of those things, we outline the right kind of structure, the right kind of steps to take along the way. And yeah, and the culture, maintaining the culture for the new owners, because in, in you know, making sure you're doing the right thing for them too, when they're buying yes. the company from you, making sure that it's, they can transfer that over. Yeah, you um, want well. it to be a quadruple win, a win for you, a win for your employees, a win for the new owner, and a win for the customers. Yep, yep, exactly. So a couple questions. Growing up and getting into what you got into, where did you start as far as becoming a, an author? And, and you know, did you start as a CPA first and then go from, oh, you know what? I need to have a bigger impact in this. Because the reason I ask this, I'm in the mortgage industry. I have a large division. I run three of my best friends. We've done a wonderful job. 
But then that seemed like I just felt like one day I wasn't playing a big enough game. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm building people in my organization. I need to scale this. Let me see how far out into the world, or even if there's aliens, can I reach them too? <laughs> so, and then I started on my mission. So that's the reason I asked that question because I'm going through this now over the last year or two. Was it similar for you? Well, I think every stage of our life we have to take, you know, we have to build in time every, you know, every quarter, every year to evaluate where are we, where are we going, and are we do we need to expand our path or change our path? And that's something that is just a, a natural reflection point for us as we continue to grow our business. And many times people are playing way too small. That's what all my customers, I have the play big movement on Facebook, helping people mm-hmm. understand that you need to play a bigger game because what you know can help so many more people. And too many times we wear blinders and we play small. So I want people to play a bigger game. And I started off hating the fact that I lived in this little tiny house and all my friends' parents were CEOs or military officers. I swore I'd never be an entrepreneur. That's why I was going to be a sophisticated professional. I got my degree in accounting. I was a young, one of the very first women in public accounting in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, young, single, and big city. It was great. You're not ready to mingle. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I've been about the right old age of 25. I'm going, all of a sudden, my parents looked a lot smarter because I was working crazy hours for one salary. I said, this doesn't make sense. And so I had the opportunity to leave with a client. And that started my entrepreneurial journey. But to your point, my eighth grade English teacher told me I'd be a famous writer. And then my house mother in college told me that I'd be a speaker. I thought they were both crazy. Here we are. But uh, even within the accounting field, I started helping work on some training manuals. And then as I continued on my journey, I did some work with American Cancer Society on training programs. And then I started a woman's magazine with some friends. So I got into writing heavily on that. And then I met the inventor and grew the talking book industry. And this is something that was so fun. My kids didn't like to read at the time. And so I talk about successful businesses solve a problem or serve a need. So I had the incredible honor of helping grow this around the world. And in that, I learned the power of association. And we had this new technology back in the late 80s. Kids didn't have electronics back then. So I said, how can we expand this? And that's by aligning with trusted brands like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, Marvel Comics. I learned so much and I was able to carry that into the development and growth of the Rich Dad organization, which I was a partner in and also led as CEO. And we were able to build that brand so that other people came to us to license from us. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. So how did you get in touch with those big brands at first? Were you reaching out? Did you have a team reaching out? Like, how did you make those connections? Well, all of them are a little different. We had a technology that was something that could expand their reach and provide additional entertainment for children in a medium other than movies and and television shows. So it was an exciting opportunity for them. It was early on in, in the development of audio chips. So we were really at the very cutting edge. And so we had to really work hard to get the quality of the sound to where it would be acceptable to them. And, and we, we reached out through marketing channels, through shows, through mutual connections is always, you know, you all, if you want to get to somebody badly enough, you'll be able to do it. And you know, once we had the first license, 
it was easy to get other people to pay attention to what we were doing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I have a method to my madness here too, because when we're done the show, I'm going to ask you one question and you'll see what I'm talking about in a second. But now I want to ask you this. So by the way, was that cat, the uh, talking books, the audio books, was that the catalyst to you getting on your way to being known for what you on do? On my way to being known? Yeah. Known for what you do throughout the, throughout the country and world for that matter. What was the, uh, what was the catalyst? Actually, actually, probably not. I think, well, that's a good question. Um, Sirach. I think certainly within my circles in my profession, I was well known with what I was doing with the accounting side of things. I think I got to be well known as a CPA. I got well known as within the cancer society piece. But I think from a consumer products perspective, I was behind the scenes. I mean, the, the products spoke for themselves. Of course, talking children's book and the and the television um, arena helped support that. It was probably Rich Dad with it elevated my notoriety. Yeah, that was that was the one that allowed you to advise two presidents, you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. the two presidents came after yeah. Rich Dad. So yeah. yes. Okay. And then how close to your vision or goals from when you were younger is your life now? Oh, uh, totally different. I think my dream when I was growing up was to be a math teacher, fourth grade math teacher, because I loved my fourth grade math teacher. And then in college, I wanted to be a geneticist. And I, had a, I was on dual track between science and accounting. Then I realized I was going to have to stay in school forever. I said, okay, I think accounting looks a lot more attractive because I can get out of school in four years. And so, and then in accounting, what an incredible opportunity I had. I got to see all kinds of companies on how they did things correctly. But even more importantly, I learned about how a lot of companies screw things up. And so by getting that, that wealth of knowledge, it then allowed me to start helping other people. And that's really where I found, you know, even as a kid, I always like to help people. And so I think that's it's not so much what I'm doing is why I'm doing it. And that coming back to that philosophy of adding value to other people's lives is, is really the, the core of who, of who I am and what I do. And what are some things that from your past that you get through challenges with, like what I was talking about rocket fuel? What is your, the anger, is that the main rocket fuel you have? Or is, has there any, ever been a person, you don't have to name them, or an event that happened or a scenario that happened that you still look back on, not to regret, not to get stuck on or you know, looking in your past that way, but for a training session or for fuel, is there anything that comes to mind? Well, there's three major, well, there's four actually major categories. And I call them like turning points in my life. The, the first one would be when I made the decision to leave public accounting, I had this opportunity and I got there and found out it was a company was all kinds of corruption. And so it was like, oh my gosh, I made this massive mistake. But at the same time, I met Michael Lecter, who was there on some litigation representing the other side of a lawsuit. And so we've just celebrated 40 years of marriage. So it was a perfect demonstration of, you know, every adversity has a seed of an equal or greater benefit. I had the worst business decision, which gave me my best life decision. So that was a huge turning point for me. And that's we got married and, and the rest is history from the standpoint of that. And then I think, you know, when I got to the point where I find I made the decision that I had to leave the Rich Dad organization, you know, I teach people now, sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open. Rich Dad wouldn't have happened if it weren't for both Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. And I couldn't have done it without him and he couldn't have done it without me. And so I don't regret any of that. But it got to the point after 10 years that we were no longer aligned in our personal mission. And he wanted to go into franchise and it was a bad model, great model for us, but bad model for franchisees. So that trick was the final trigger 
that made me make the decision to leave. And so you have to, then the lesson from that is you have to be true to who you are. You have to stand in your truth. And I never looked back. I never regretted it, but it was sad. It was really sad because we had an incredible relationship for many years. And you know, money just makes you more of who you really are. And so I have a great sadness about that. And then certainly the most dramatic for me is um, the fact that I lost my son eight and a half years ago. And there's nothing worse than that. We're not supposed to outlive our kids. And that really sent me into several years of just numbness um, in neutral, living life in neutral. And in fact, about four or five years ago, I made the decision I should just retire and kind of step back. And I got a lot of pushback. And that's when I launched the Play Big Movement because I said, you know, I need to get out and continue doing what feeds me. And that's the, and, and when I made that decision, it's as if I took blinders off because the opportunities were always there. And so I share with people, you know, no matter what's happened to you, we've all had things stop us in our tracks, whether it was a death, a divorce, a financial setback, an illness, but you're still here for a reason. And yeah, yeah. what you've been through can become your message and you can help other people going through it. And it's just been an incredible journey since then. And when I took me a while to be able to share it with people. But when I did, it was amazing how the floodgates opened for heart-to-heart communication with people. Yeah. I think we underestimate the power of our story to inspire millions and millions of people, you know, especially when you're tied up in emotion on going through grief and, and all that. And was, was there periods of time during that where you felt like I need to get moving prior to when you actually did? And, and did you like, was there any guilt that you had to deal with for like, I know I need to keep moving. I know I'm supposed to grieve. I do have a justification for, you know, did you, were you going through some of those emotions as well? Well, absolutely. I think that's why it was so powerful for me to be able to bring the book out, Witting the Devil Out, because it really is such a deep science into looking at fear and, and sadness and depression and how that holds us back, how we become our own worst enemy, self-sabotage, and how fear either paralyzes or motivates us. And most of us are paralyzed in that fear. And so it's very important to identify where that fear is coming from and then release it because we do live in a world of abundance. And yet we, we want to, when you're fearful, you want to turn off the lights and get under the covers and mm-hmm. hide. And we only have one resource that we can't get back and that's our time. And so I tell people, instead of spending your time, start looking at investing your time and fear robs you of your time. And I want people yeah. to get their time back. Yeah. And how important to you are the words that you use, the words that come out of your mouth? Do you, do you really well, pay close obviously attention Obviously, words are very important to me, whether they're written or spoken. Um, it's so important for people to understand. It's, not, it's less important what you want to say and more important what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And so if you continue to look at how you can elevate someone else, if you just want to get the last word in, don't do it, right? How can you add value and contribute to other people's lives and understand what their pain point is or relate to them? Many of us, when you think about textbooks, you write so that you read the book and it goes into your brain and hopefully you can regurgitate it at test time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you truly want to be a communicator, you want to write something that goes into the eye and into the heart, impacts the emotions of the Mm -hmm. individual because they will forever know how how you made them feel. And that's how you have a lasting contribution to someone's life. And that goes from speaking on stage as well, connecting with your audience, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have two questions left for you. 
And one is, I like to ask people this because it seems as if you've had all the success that you've had in your life. You're not done yet. You're still striving for more. But what is one particular challenge that you're dealing with, whether it's this week, this month, this year so far? What is one particular challenge that you're Sharon Lecter, you Sharon Lecter are dealing with? Well, I can give you a very specific example. About two months ago, I had someone hijack my personal Facebook profile, and it's been an absolute nightmare. They also hijacked my business page and tried to spend over $20,000 in ads. We were able to get the business page back, but I still have yet to be able to speak to a human at Facebook to be able to get my personal profile back. So if anybody has a way to help me do that, reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com. That is the current one. The second one is I teach the power of association, how important it is to bring in experts to help you. And one of my biggest frustrations right now is I'm truly looking to find individuals that can help me take our social platforms to the right level speaking in my voice, and somebody that can understand Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, all of them, and LinkedIn, so that it can truly help advise me and help take me to where we need to be. So that's really my Love it. That's the reason I ask those questions. So I may be able to assist you with that. And then final question, before we get into the final question, what's the best way for people to reach you? Is it the website that you mentioned earlier about Exit Rich? ExitRichBook.com. ExitRichBook. Dot com, not exorich.com, exorichbook.com forward slash buy. And to me, SharonLector.com is my website. And then I'm, I'm author Sharon Lecter on Facebook. The page is still live. Um, and then I'm Sharon Lecter on LinkedIn, Clubhouse, Twitter, everywhere else, Sharon Lecter. Yeah, she seems, to, she seems to be easy to find. I, I run into her all the time now. Uh, what, did you, <laughs> what, did you think of, what did you think of GrowthCon, by the way? Was that your first time? 10X? Yeah, the 10X growth kind. No, I, I've been to the one in Vegas once. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. It was a good good time there. Oh, uh, it's, it's the highest production quality. And some fantastic speakers this time. It was wonderful. Yeah, I loved it. All right, so final question here. I uh, wrote a book called Rocket Fuel. It's about to hit Amazon in the next week or so. And it's all about converting setbacks and becoming unstoppable. Because I found out in my life, after my dad at 11 years old threw a $100 bill at me and basically said I was going to need it when I was living on the street with my mother one day. From that point in my life, for 30 some years, I've been living off that spark. And that fueled me that no matter what happened in my life, I would always store it in my tank instead of my trunk where it would weigh me down. And I would use it to, as fuel. My graphs always kept going up, not as high as I'd like them to. But once I became aware of this about two to three years ago of really what was going on here, my graph started going up like a rocket ship. So I wrote the book, Rocket Fuel, describing that. Grant wrote the forward. I want to ask you, what is the rocket fuel concept of turning setbacks and anything that was, would normally slow you down or stop you into rocket fuel for your future, become unstoppable? What does that mean to you? Well, I think it's a, a brilliant concept. And I think um, it was December of 92 when my own son, my oldest son came home and told us he was in credit card debt. That was the you know, absolute defining moment for me. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education. Because, and I'm as, you know, we talk about finding your passion. Well, my passion came from anger. I was so mad. I was mad at him, but I was more mad at myself. I thought I taught him about money in school. But yet he goes to college and there's these tables free pizza, free money, free t shirt, free money. And he got himself into credit card debt. He had a really good time his first semester. (laughs) But when he came home and asked us to bail him out, we said no. But that was December of 92. And that's really when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education. And I am as passionate about that today as I was then. So that's my rocket fuel. I love We've it. got, 
if we truly want, you've heard the phrase, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Okay. That's because that's where they learn about money. If we truly want to level the playing field, if we truly want to make sure every child has the opportunity to create success in their lives, we have to start teaching financial literacy and financial education in the school system to give them equal opportunity to succeed. Love it, man. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you for the relationship that you've opened up uh, for us to develop. And uh, it's just a truly honor and privilege to be a, a friend of yours. Well, it's likewise. Thank you so much, C-Rock. And I love seeing you all the, over the place. So congratulations on your success. And I'll look forward to seeing your book when it's out. Thank you very much. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. And I would venture to say the unstoppable Sharon Lecter. Thank you for listening. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like to watch these, go to YouTube at Mike C-Rock Sirocco. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike crock.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me